You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, a place where we practice a deep and authentic welcome, where we listen deeply to where love is calling us next, and a place where with humility, courage, and compassion, we act for justice in the world. To learn more, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Well, I'm really glad everybody's here, and thanks Hannah and Matt for joining us for the welcome so that we can see your faces and know that you're with us. Uh, My name's Jen Crow. I'm one of the ministers here at First Universalist Church, and we are so glad that each and every one of you is here with us today. So as we gather, I see some of you are doing this already. Let us know where you're coming in from over there in the chat box. Make sure to set your chat to send to all panelists and attendees, and then uh, let us know where you're coming in from. We are gathering from all over the Twin Cities, all over the state, all over the country, all over the world. So it is wonderful to be together. And we're so glad that each and every one of you is here. Now, as a reminder out there, you are muted and we cannot see you. So uh, keep on doing what you're doing or sit down or lay down and rest with these words and the space, but know that uh, we're glad you're here from wherever you're joining us. For over 160 years, First Universalist Church has been a beacon of love and hope. We have been the people who give, receive, and grow together. We're the people who welcome, affirm, and protect the light in each human heart. We listen deeply to where love is calling us next, and we act with humility and courage and compassion in the service of justice. We do all of this as a faith community deeply committed to racial justice, and this is the life we invite you into when you journey with us. It's so good that you're here. Now, it feels especially important today that we are together. It's been another tumultuous week, as it seems to be week after week, with new waves buffeting us from all directions. So it is good to be here, and it is good to be here especially today as we mark what has become for us an annual ritual here at First Universalist, which is Mental Health Sunday. Now, this year, given all of the different pressures and challenges we're facing, we are recognizing just not just Mental Health Sunday, but Mental Health Week. Spanning from last Wednesday's worship to this coming Wednesday's worship, we are taking the time to name and to recognize the many mental health challenges that all of us are facing, that some of us are facing more than others, and that some of us uh, live with those that we love or care about who are also struggling with mental health issues. We take the time to name that today, to offer support to one another, to do our part to reduce stigma and to remind one another that we are all whole and holy and worthy, loved and lovable exactly as we are. Good morning, friends. I am so happy to be with you today and to share with you today a special message for the kids and the youth of this congregation about mental health and mental illness. Now, when I say mental illness, this is what I mean. Sometimes our bodies get sick, like we get a cough or a cold or a rash. Those are body illnesses. Illness is another word for sickness. Sometimes our minds get sick and our feelings get hard to manage. 
or we get confused, or we can't get out of bed. These are some examples of mental illness. There's many different ones. My personal, my, my personal experience with mental illness is living with something called complex PTSD, which means that sometimes I get very worried and wound up. Sometimes I get very sad and stress is very hard for me. One of the things that helps me is holding my friend Snowflake. This is Snowflake. Snowflake was a Christmas gift that I asked my husband to give me when I was doing some hard work in therapy a couple years ago. Therapy is a place where we talk with a trained and trusted person about our feelings. In this case, I was talking about a part of me inside that is still very young. Do you have a lovey that helps you in tough times? I would love to hear the name of your lovey or comfort object that helps you when things get hard. If you could ask a grown-up to help you put the name of your lovey in the chat, I will come back in a minute and read them. I would love to know what your lovey's name is. In the meantime, for today's message, I wanna share with you that I went to Facebook and I asked my friends to help me collect some messages for you all. Snowflake and I are going to share these messages with you especially, the kids and the youth watching. They are what we would have wanted to hear when we were younger, and they're still what we need to hear today. First, for those of you who are struggling with mental illness yourselves, it's okay to have feelings, even really big feelings. And it's okay to have more than one feeling at once. It's okay to be confused by all the feelings. Others have gone through this, including your ancestors. You're gonna make it. Don't compare yourself to others. You might have a friend that also has a mental illness and you might think, oh wow, their struggle is bigger than mine. So I should just be quiet about my struggles because my struggles are not that big a deal. Don't do that. Your struggle is real too. Take care of yourself. Ask for help. Everyone deserves help. You are going to learn skills and find ways to feel better. Hang in there and keep asking for help. Now, for those of you who have a family member who is struggling with a mental illness, here's what my friends and Snowflake and I want you to know. You don't have to be in charge. You're allowed to be a kid or a youth. You get to be uniquely you in your family. It's nice to do nice things for others who are struggling, but it's not your job to make them better. It's okay to have feelings about what's going on, especially when it gets hard, even when everyone is doing their best, it's still okay to have feelings. You are only responsible for you. Nothing you do or don't do makes other people do things or have feelings. And then the things that I wanna share for all of you and for all of us, this is tough. It's okay to be confused or struggle with this. Keep asking for help. There is no shame 
There is no shame in therapy. There is no shame in medications. There is no shame in using a weighted blanket. There is no shame in anything that helps you feel better. The challenges that you are living with right now are going to help you be helpful to others later on. You are loved for who you are, not for what you do. You are always loved. We, the people in this congregation, love you fiercely and unconditionally. We do. You do not have to carry this alone. We are in community together. Together, we're gonna make it. All right, so now I wanna see the names of your lobbies. Snowball, Sammy Frio, Big Pandy and Chocolate, Favy, Walrus, Chicky, Lamb Lovey, Stitch, Jace, Bobby, Foxy, Bear, Pig, Stillwater, oh my goodness, so many lovies, I'm so happy. Skunk and Palmer and Coco, Lucy and Mousy and Lulu the Cat, Bobby the Bunny, Wow, Florence the Flamingo and Trevor the Dragon, I need to meet these friends. Rufus and Horton, Piggy and Sheepy. Wow, this is so great. Snuffy, Teddy, Bum Bum, Mr. Tuttles, Wolfie. Oh, so sweet. Thank you. I'm sorry I don't have time to read all of these names. I really appreciate you sharing them with me. I can feel them with us. If you're not already holding your lovey like me, maybe you want to go get it and hold the lovey for the rest of the service. And know that all across Minneapolis and even in Michigan where I am, we are connected through this love and through our loveys and through our connection to each other. And speaking of helpful things, did you know that humming is very helpful. So next, we're gonna hear Amy talk about humming and teach us how to hum together. Before you do the humming meditation that's about to happen in a moment, I just wanted to say a few words about why humming is so beneficial. Like any singing, when you are humming, your breathing is gonna be very regulated, much like any meditation and that causes your body to calm down. It stimulates your vagus nerve, which induces a state of physical relaxation. It calms and quiets your mind, which reduces fear and worry and helps to reduce unproductive and negative thoughts. Um, it also helps to lower your heart rate and helps to lower your blood pressure within a matter of minutes. And it creates a, a circuit of energy in your body that you can actually physically be aware of and it helps us to focus. So enjoy the humming meditation. Good morning. Find a comfortable position for your body, sitting, lying down, or standing. Close your eyes if you prefer and take in a slow, easy breath. Then on whatever note you like, please hum.
as you continue to hum. Let your body tell you when to inhale and exhale. Let your humming be a natural function of your breathing. space between your top and bottom teeth. You may feel the vibration of your voice on your lips. As you hum, give all of your attention to the feeling of the hum in your body. That's one way you can use humming, to quiet your mind. Just allow yourself to live in your body for a little while longer and feel the after effect of all of 
that vibration of all of that loving energy that you sent to yourself. When you're ready, open your eyes if they were closed. And let yourself come back into your space. Thank you for humming with me. Um, this humming meditation is intended to be used as a tool to make yourself feel better when you're not feeling so great. Um, I obviously am not a medical doctor, so it's definitely not intended to be medical advice or to replace the treatment or advice of your doctor or other medical professionals. What I know as a descendant of enslaved people, what I can feel in my body is that one of the ways that they made it through all of that torment and anguish and brutality was by singing. And so you can too. You can practice resilience by using your voice. You can practice loving yourself with your voice. So, hum on people. <laughs>
She says, ours is not the task of fixing the entire world all at once, but of stretching out to mend the part of the world that is within our reach. Any small, calm thing that one soul can do to help another soul, to assist some portion of this poor, suffering world will help immensely. It is not given to us to know which acts or by whom will cause the critical mass to tip toward an enduring good. What is needed for dramatic change is an accumulation of acts, adding, adding to, adding more, continuing. We know that it does not take everyone on earth to bring justice and peace, but only a small determined group who will not give up during the first, the second, or the hundredth gale. One of the most calming and powerful actions you can do to intervene in a stormy world is to stand up and show your soul. Soul on deck shines like gold in dark times. The light of the soul throws sparks, can send up flares, builds signal fires, causes proper matters to catch fire. To display the lantern of the soul in shadowy times like these, to be fierce and to show mercy toward others, both of these are acts of immense bravery and greatest necessity. Struggling souls catch light from other souls who are fully lit and willing to show it. If you would help to calm the tumult, this is one of the strongest things that you can do. Soul on deck. Soul on deck. The light of our soul shining out there for others to see, to catch the spark, to be guided by the light, to build up fires together, soul on deck. That is the work of these days. This is how we calm these waters. This is how we shore up each other's souls. Soul on deck. We are in shadowy times. Shadowy times like Dr. Estes names, and in these shadowy times, we come here right now to this annual ritual as a church of recognizing together this mental health Sunday and expanding it, like I said, to hold an entire week because we need it more than ever from last Wednesday's worship to this coming Wednesday's worship as together we name the reality that so many of us live with mental health challenges, with mental health conditions, with mental illness. So many of us live with it, and so many of the people that we love do too. Now, it certainly hasn't gotten past me, thanks to so many of my friends sharing what they know too. It hasn't gotten me past me, past me that this Mental Health Sunday falls on National Coming Out Day. And it wasn't that long ago, right? when coming out as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or queer marked you as mentally ill. It's not that long ago that this was considered a pathology, and it has been a gift of the queer community to show, to know, to let other people know by naming their own identity in all of its beauty, to tell us what we already know, right? That shame and secrets steal the life force out of us, that naming and claiming who we are that proclaiming it to the world with pride changes who we are and changes the world. Soul on deck, friends. That's what our friends in the queer community have taught us, soul on deck. So 
today on this Mental Health Sunday, on this National Coming Out Day, I want to share a story with you. It's a personal story. It's a tender story. And as always, I want to remind all of us that we have the power to take care of ourselves, that in fact, we're really, really good at it. We have good instincts and we can follow them. So if anything in this sermon feels like too much today, if you want to turn the volume down or take a stroll away from the phone or the computer screen, just know that's always okay. Listen to what your instincts are telling you and go ahead and follow them. Your body is wise, your spirit is wise. So what I wanna tell you is that when I was 18 years old, I was hospitalized for depression. I had been struggling for quite a long time to stay safe and to make healthier choices, but the pain and the hopelessness I was feeling had gotten overwhelming. And I made the decision to follow the advice of the therapist I was seeing and go into the hospital where I could get some much needed support. Now, what did my life look like at 18? Well, on the outside, it looked pretty awesome. I was a sophomore at Smith College, a prestigious women's college in New England. I somehow had lucked into living alone in the largest double room that existed on campus, just peering out over all those beautiful leaves. I was doing pretty well at school. I managed the cafe at the student union and I had a whole host of friends. But on the inside, things looked really different. I was a student there on scholarship at a school that was overwhelmingly populated by people of privilege. And one of the things this meant for me was that I hid a lot. I didn't tell the truth about the experiences I'd had in my life. I tried to fit in, to do the best I could to be part of that crowd that was so different than anyone I'd really ever hung out with. I was working almost full time and going to school. I was leaning on my old coping mechanism of addiction, keeping everything to myself and trying not to let on how bad I felt inside. And all of this hiding, it started to add up for me. So there in the hospital, I had a chance to stabilize, to seek support, to begin to figure out how to manage some of the stresses of my life. But I'll tell you when it turned out to be time to go back to school. Returning to my life at college was not a small thing. I had hid. I didn't tell people where I was or why. I was scared about how people would react. I didn't tell my professors. I didn't tell the dean. I didn't tell my friends. I didn't tell anyone. I was still hiding, afraid that adding the stigma of a psychiatric hospitalization onto all the other challenges I was facing was just going to be too much. So maybe it was because I hadn't told anybody about the real reason for being away that while I was gone, the college decided this would be a perfect opportunity to fill that open double and to give me the roommate I hadn't had the entire school year. What good timing. So when I came home feeling super shaky and still really working to find my bearings, I arrived there to find a new roommate. Ah. <laughs> So I'll tell you, meeting her on that first day back, I was totally terrified. I had all these storylines going on in my head that were really about my own return and my own struggles, right? I was sure that if I told anybody the truth about where I'd been, I would be met with, you know, a range of possibilities, anywhere from disgust to pity, 
but really nothing else in between. That was what I was sure was going to happen. I was worried that this hospitalization meant the beginning of a pattern, that I'd be in and out of the hospital, never really finding stability or gaining my bearings again in my life. I was worried that this new life that I had begun to create, that I had imagined for myself when I left home and headed to college, that it was just going to crumble. I knew what I needed for support, but I didn't trust that anybody was going to be able to give it to me or that I'd be able to ask for that matter. So all of those things and more were running through my mind as I stepped into the house that we all shared together and met my new roommate, Caroline. Now, when I walked into that room, I dropped my bags and I made a decision right there in the moment. I decided to go for it. She's going to find out sooner or later by living with me that I had some struggles. I mean, I didn't sleep most of the time, not until the sun came up. I needed the lights on all the time. I really, being new in recovery too, I needed it to be a sober space. There were things she was going to find out pretty quickly. So I just thought, I'll go with, I'm going to go for it. So I told her where I'd been. I told her, like I said, that I needed the lights on pretty much all the time. I was pretty sad and anxious a lot of the time. I needed the room to be free of drugs and alcohol. Uh, and then I was just back from the hospital. And I said to her, you know, I get it. We're just meeting. Um, if you want to go request a new roommate, I totally support that. And I will go with you to the dean and I'll tell him what's going on. Uh, and then I just kind of took a deep breath and prepared myself to receive what I was sure was going to be this onslaught of disgust from her. And this is what she did. She sat down on the couch and she goes, okay, okay. I can keep the room free of drugs and alcohol. That's not a problem. You know, just put the lights on whenever you want. You know, I think it's really brave that you got the help that you needed. Let me know if there's anything I can do. And then the conversation moved on. She was a transfer student. She wanted to know which of the classes were harder or easier. How did you work that like hot pot situation in the kitchenette down the hall? What was your favorite band? Like, were we gonna struggle over what music we were gonna put on together? We just moved on into this everyday conversation and it changed the way we were together, right? There, I had been honest and I had been met with this blase kindness and acceptance. I was shocked, totally shocked. So I'm telling you this story today, not because this was some like singular, dramatic, life-changing moment for me, but because it was one of many moments that helped change the script that I had in my head, right? The script that I carried that if I told people who I really was and the challenges I was facing, that they would run in the other direction. This script that I had that I was unlovable because of the pain I felt or the challenges that I had encountered. Hers was just a straightforward, accepting response to my truth, something I really couldn't have imagined coming from anybody that wasn't getting paid to be in the room with me. So I tell you this too, because my roommate's response reminds me so much of Dr. Estes's words about the way that a small, calm interaction can help soothe our troubled souls. The way that those small, calm acts we can share with one another help to settle the waters and give us a bit of peace in these shadowy times. And 
I tell you this because I know we have the ability to calm and soothe each other's souls and to calm and soothe our own souls when we need to as well. That's what all of these tools and resources are about. The humming, the singing, the storytelling, the prayer, the breathing, the truth telling. All of these are tools that help us to soothe our souls and help us to catch light, catch spark from one another, that help us to shine with our souls up there on deck. These are our tools. And friends, we need them. You know we need them. We need them on a regular day, most of us, but we certainly need them right now. This is a messed up world we are in right now with so many pressures and challenges. And so many of these pressures and challenges, they are landing disproportionately on Black, Indigenous, and people of color. They are landing disproportionately on women and queer people, on people who live with poverty. There are so many pressures on us and it can be a simple thing to fall back into the patterns that our society has set for us when there are so many pressures on us and these patterns they're not good or healthy these patterns i'm talking about this illusion that it's actually possible to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps like that's ever been true that having a feeling means weakness that sadness or addiction or anxiety or mental illness somehow makes us less than a person. These are lies. These are unhelpful patterns. And these lies, these patterns that it can be so easy to fall into when we are under so much pressure, they are not good for us. They reduce our ability to live whole and full lives and to love each other the way that I believe we are meant to. There are deeper truths that we are challenging ourselves to live into, even in these hard days. The truths that are at the center of our faith, that each and every one of us is born already loved, already whole and holy and worthy. That is who we are. That is who every person is. When we struggle, we deserve kindness and support. Secrets and shame steal the life force from us. There are so many pressures pushing down on us and we need to anchor into our values that everyone, ourselves included, are loved and lovable, whole and holy and worthy. That is the truth at the center of our faith, friends. So in these times where things are so, so challenging for so many of us, we know that things are especially hard for folks who are ex already experiencing mental illness or living with a mental health diagnosis. We know that according to federal data right now, the symptoms of anxiety and depressive disorders have more than tripled among US adults compared to just this time last year with young adults and women with Black and Latinx communities most acutely impacted. The research and reporting that's going on these days suggests that the pandemic has exacerbated symptoms for people who were already living with disordered eating, with substance use disorder, with obsessive compulsive disorder, with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and other diagnoses too. It is harder right now than it has been for a very long time for so, so many of us. It's become normal really to feel like we're carrying more than we can handle because we are struggling with so many pressures. I was reading recently uh, from one psychologist who was suggesting that perhaps 
part of what we are dealing with on the larger scale is the collective experience of demoralization and grief. They said, we are feeling understandably disoriented, unable to locate meaning and purpose or sources of fulfillment because we are living in the midst of an overarching collective psycho-spiritual crisis. This is not made up, friends. This is what we are living in, an overarching psycho-spiritual crisis. And we are grieving too, which is a normal adaptive reaction to the painful losses that we are experiencing. So it makes sense that we are feeling worried or sad or disoriented these days. This is a reasonable experience to have, and it can help to share these feelings with each other. So instead of asking ourselves the question, do I feel bad today? The psychologist Dr. Zucker suggests maybe the better question we could be asking right now would be, would it help to have someone to talk to today? Not do I feel bad today, but would it help to have someone to talk to today? If so, then this is the day. This is the day to strengthen and layer up our support, to seek out a therapist or a counselor, a small group, a trusted network of friends or a family member. When we are able to share how we're really doing and we make room by sharing how we are really doing, we create space for others to do that too. We, we are shining our soul on deck. We're making room for another story to come through, shattering those illusions that have always been there, that we have to do this all by ourselves, that we ever could do this life all by ourselves. Vulnerability signals strength, my friends. Vulnerability is strength. Soul on deck. That is what we are about here as a church community. That is what we need to do to save ourselves and each other in these shadowy, shadowy times. We have to remember the small, calm things one soul can do to help another soul. To allow our souls to shine bright on deck, to offer safe harbor, to throw out light that can catch spark, that can catch fire, to create a new reality. Soul on deck. I know we can do it, friends. I see you do it all the time. Let your soul shine. We want to see it. And if it would help today to have someone to talk to, please reach out. Reach out to church, reach out to Mental Health Connect, who you'll hear about in just a moment. Reach out to friends and family. Each and every one of us is born already loved, already whole and holy and worthy. May you know the truth of this deep and boundless love in your bones, and may you share it with others. Soul on deck. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a welcoming community that finds strength in the diversity of identities of all who find inspiration and comfort here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text FIRSTUNIV, that's F-I-R-S-T-U-N-I-V, 
to 73256 to make your gift. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Thank mm-hmm. you.